1: 1.5 UMFM, this is Thank God It's Free Range, the Friday edition of Free Range Radio. I'm Michael Osley, kicking things off for us tonight from their seminal album, Fear of a Black Planet. That is Public Enemy with Fight the Power. And we're kicking things off with that one uh, in honor of Syl Johnson, who passed away last week at the age of 85. Uh, that was my first encounter with Syl Johnson when that record came out in 1989, uh, sample of his track uh, different strokes featured as part of the uh, just fantastic uh, production on uh, that public enemy track. We're going to play a Sil Johnson track. We're going to play the original right away. Uh, And we're going to play some more stuff from uh, another artist who passed away earlier this week, Betty Davis, uh, the late funk artist and model and uh, former wife of miles Davis. Uh, who got a really great set of reissues from Light in the Attic a few years back uh, that that brought her back into the uh, the spotlight? Um, if you have Amazon Prime, I'd recommend there is a short documentary called Betty. They say I'm different uh, available to watch on for free on Prime. Uh, worth checking out as well if you want to read and hear more about Betty Davis. Uh, it is, of course, Black History Month all throughout February, and as we did last week. Uh, We are syndicating a program that's out of Prince Edward County's campus radio station. Uh, Don Oliver, retired Canadian senator, is the host. And uh, this week, his aunt, a uh, celebrated contralto from Nova Scotia, is the guest. Uh, That's coming up after Syl Johnson here on 101.5 UMFM.
0: You're listening to The Grapevine on 99.3 County FM. I'm Lynn Pickering. And as you heard last week, the Honorable Don Oliver, the first black man to be named to the Senate of Canada and the author of A Matter of Equality, the life's work of Senator Don Oliver, has agreed to co-host this segment of the show during Black History Month. Last week, George Eliot Clark, a poet laureate and author of Where Beauty Survived, an Africadian memoir, was Senator Oliver's guest. This week, they discuss the accomplishments of their remarkable relative, Portia White. We have both released autobiographies uh, that include sections on our aunt, uh, great aunt, Portia White, Nova Scotia-born internationally famous contralto. She sang in all the great opera halls in Europe and in South America. In my case, Portia performed at our home in Wolfville, when she accompanied my mother, Helena White Oliver, a gifted pianist. Time will not permit two readings, and today we want to hear from you and not from me. George, it's February, Black History, African Heritage Month, and Portia, who did her debut to rave reviews at the town hall in New York in 1944. The war wasn't yet over but as a Black woman in those days, she confronted many painful obstacles and hatred for Negro people. Apart from charming people, like Queen Elizabeth and Prince Philip, with her charming, powerful, sonorous voice, she also left a legacy of fighting racism. Can you tell us some of the ways she continues to inspire the world as a role model for Fighting Anti-Black Systemic Racism. Uh,
2: The word that comes to mind uh, might not seem all that vital at first, but that word is symbol. And I know that we often talk about role models during African Heritage Month, Black History Month, and role models are important because they are simply exemplars of the possibility for human excellence and what we might all individually hope to achieve in our God-given span of time um, in this life, in this world. So I'd like to emphasize her symbolic importance for everyone and specifically for Black people, specifically uh, Black girls and women, uh, in terms of what they might hope to aspire to achieve, no matter what obstacles they may feel that they face or that they do, in fact, face. So I'd like to read a little tiny section of of my memoir about how my two brothers and I related to our great-aunt, your aunt, our great-aunt Portia, uh, hearing about her when we were boys growing up in Halifax. So that's what this little moment is about. Referred to in hushed reverential terms by our grandmother, Nanny Clark, and father, Bill Clark, great-aunt Portia, my brothers and I were taught had come to international prominence as a -a once-in-a-century voice in coloratura registers of a repertoire of bel canto, operatic arias, Broadway show tunes, and Negro spirituals. She was one of the truly Apollonian Haligonians. Our connection to the fabled Miss White was cemented via our childhood stops at Nanny Clark's home. There in magisterial tones, a photo album would be produced demonstrating Portia's posh pics, maybe from her life in New York City or Toronto, or depicting her tour to Latin and South America, where she became the first ever classically trained singer to perform a concert at 10,000 feet above sea level in Quito, Ecuador, uh, among the Andes. For an African Baptist church-raised woman, it must have been stirring to sing above the clouds, just a smidgen closer to heaven. Or there were snaps of her in Panama City, Panama, where the Isthmian Negro Youth Congress presented her with a gold medal. We also had to know that Portia traveled to Curacao and Grenada, to Bogota, Colombia, and to Barbados and Jamaica, that she was a kind of roving African-Canadian Ambassadress of song. Pride of place was the snap of her 1964 command performance before the Queen in Charlottetown, PEI. The respectful turning of those photo album pages energized my psyche and I think our psyches as boys. Whatever slights, insults, or barriers that we confronted as black boys, as Negroes, as colored kids, all were somehow lessened because we could say, my great aunt sang before the queen. There we were, bratty, snotty at times, but we could still say to better off white kids in our schools, my great aunt sang before the queen. It suggested that we were nigh royalty, that our dungarees and sneakers and corduroy pants and blue jeans and penny loafers did not separate us inapproachably from canada's ruling family we could play street hockey and swing for monkey bars but still feel equal to classmates who arrived at school in midwinter sporting florida tans my great aunt sang before the queen we figured that none of our classmates of whatever background were but two degrees of separation from the crown hollywood and broadway
0: (laughs) Oh, that's excellent!
2: Wow, <laughs> thank you, Ty. Dude. Well, but that's you know, it's it's what she has continued to be this this great North Star to use that yeah. bit of African, Canadian, African, North American, African Turtle Island symbolism, uh, this this pole star towards which we look for inspiration and and a sense of energy that we can triumph. For me, uh, hearing her record, Think On Me, as a young man, I really found it to be of great importance to attend to that spiritual that was one of her favorites, Ride On King Jesus. And I just love the triumphant tone of that
0: uh, spiritual. I went to her funeral in 1968. I took my mother to Toronto. And after we talked to a number of the people who attended, and I, I, I couldn't get over the warmth and affection that they had for Portia and for her singing. Now, when she died, she had not been singing and performing for some time, but she was teaching elocution to some very famous Canadians at Branksome Hall and so on. Can you tell us a little bit more about Branksome Hall, George?
2: Well, after, unfortunately, throat problems uh, forced her to retire from the stage too early... She had an operation on her throat in 1946, and that basically kind of uh, brought her concert career, stage career, more or less to an an end. Uh, She would still do performances here and there, but for the most part, she essentially retired to Branksome Hall here in Toronto uh, to become a voice and music teacher. And amongst her pupils, she had Lauren Green, the star of Bonanza, so and of course he had a big hit in 1964 with Ringo, and this goes back to what I was saying before. For my brothers and I, like we're there in Halifax and we hear Lauren Green sing Ringo or speak Ringo <laughs> is a better way to say it that pop song, and of course we knew because our father would tell us, our mother would tell us, that would, oh that he was he's a pupil of, of your great aunt Portia. Talk about this connection to Broadway and Hollywood and, and royalty. It, it's through her and, and there we are in in Halifax so and also like Dinah Christie was another uh, important uh, pupil of hers and and also Don Franks was another and so a lot of, of singers are, and and also other opera singers made their way to her door and of course uh, the pupils at Branksome Hall itself were quite fortunate to have her present I have to add that, there is going to be the unveiling of a plaque in front of Branksome Hall, dedicated to Portia's life story. Celebrate Black Excellence, uh, a current buzz phrase, which she really, of course, uh, represented. And it's going to be the first marker in Toronto of her importance. And that also goes back to something you're talking about last week, Don, which is the need to recover all these memories because, at a certain point in time because teachers come and teachers go and new generations arrive and, and of course depart. Uh, there was a sort of like missing, there was a gap in the cultural memory of Portia White having taught at Branksome Hall, but uh, she was rediscovered and her importance was quickly recognized once
0: again. Portia started out as a young woman as a soprano and she sang as a, as a mezzo. When she went to her final teacher, He said, your natural voice is a contralto. And she sang for the rest of her life as a contralto. What's interesting to me, even her voice is deep. And when she came to our house and she spoke, here, here was this wonderful lady, large lady, who had a very deep voice. And that deep voice, I think, fitted the wonderful contralto music that came from her. Now, you are a poet and you're an essayist and so on, and you've written some things about Portia. Do you want to tell us a bit about that?
2: Well, I was very fortunate to be asked by Nimbus of Halifax, our publisher. <laughs> uh, I got a, a, a great publisher, let us say, very quickly <laughs> emphasize that. Do you think about doing a young adult oriented? book about uh, Portia. And so 2019, I published uh, with Nimbus, Portia White, a portrait in words. And it was a great experience. I wrote it all in rhyme, uh, octosyllables. And it was really fascinating to really find myself living her life in a sense. So I was trying to voice her her words. And of course, her story is, is so fascinating because it's it's wrapped up with the great currents of 20th century history and i was thinking of the depression because her career really got going in the 1930s then the onset of the second world war and her true concert career where she's becoming internationally acclaimed and celebrated is actually bookended in a sense by the depression and then by the end of the of the second world war and not because she wanted her, her concert career to come to an end at that point, but again, because of the cancer and, and, and the throat problems just forced that upon her. But for those 15, 16 years that she was on stage, she was a force to be reckoned with. The other thing too, that connects her to these pivotal events in world history is that the teacher you just mentioned, Dr. Ernesto Vinci, was in fact a Jewish Italian refugee from Mussolini. And he and his wife, when they first arrived as refugees from Italy, were in New York. And I have to confess, I forget now off the top of my head, what it was that made them decide to relocate to Halifax. But Halifax was like many other parts of Canada, if not uh, all of Canada, unfortunately, sometimes anti-Semitic as much as it was also anti-black. So Dr. Vinci, who was actually a trained medical doctor, was unable to practice medicine, early 1930s uh, Halifax. And so he turned to his other talent, which was in music, sung at La Scala. He was that good, a singer. And so when he heard Portia, he immediately said, now, okay, this is a true star talent. And so Dr. Vinci, Ernesto Vinci became Portia's teacher with support from the Halifax Women's Music Club. So there's a kind of de facto feminist organization helping a Jewish Italian refugee support a Black Nova Scotian woman to achieve international prominence as a as a contralto concert singer and sing to all those troops departing Halifax uh, praying to survive the passage across the Atlantic the Battle of the Atlantic with the U-boats lurking to torpedo their ships and that for many of them, unfortunately, or some of them, Portia's voice was the last voice they heard for boarding those troop ships and those merchant marine vessels uh, to try to preserve the lifeline to England and, and to whatever remained of, of Free York in those early years of, of the Second World War. So she had a, a fundamental presence in pivotal moments in, in our history. And And I talked about her importance as a symbol, and what remains is this uplifting. I love the fact, and, and Leon, Leanne Goodall's biography of, of Portia, which I used as a base for my own poetic uh, rendition of her life in her, in her voice, uh, has a lot of great stories. And, and one of them has to do with uh, when she uh, was invited to Halifax to perform uh, sometime, I suppose, in the 1940s, and, and she was uh, traveling elsewhere. She came back home to Halifax to perform and she was put up at the Hotel Nova Scotian. And Dawn, as you will know, in those days, unfortunately, some of our fine hotels had certain policies regarding treating uh, people of color, um, and the Hotel Nova Scotian, unfortunately, was one of those hotels. And so they were happy to put Portia up, but were not keen on allowing her to be able to go and dine in their dining hall. She was instructed by a porter or a clerk at the hotel that she should remain in her room and just take advantage of room service. And Portia apparently said to, to this, uh, a clerk, well, that might be okay, but then you will have to explain the hotel. will have to explain to the yeah. government of Canada, uh, who are paying for my stay, why my hotel bill is higher than it should be. After that sentence was conveyed, the hotel said, oh, guess what? We don't have any
0: problem with you coming. <laughs> <in>. <laughs> yeah. You know, the other the other hotel story, George, that I find of interest is she was singing one t- time in Pictou County in New Glasgow and performing there in a church. It would not have been a large audience, maybe maybe 100-200 people maximum, but nothing like some of the big crowds in Europe and South America. And she sang in five different languages and and after the concert was over, Uh, She she met with people and then she went to the largest hotel in New Glasgow, the Norfolk Hotel, and asked for a room. And they basically said, we do not rent rooms here to Negro people. And so uh, one of the people from the Baptist Church in New Glasgow had driven her to their hotel and took her to their home where they had a private bedroom. They gave her the bedroom. She had to sleep for the night. But she was refused a hotel in Nova Scotia after having traveled around the world singing in all the great concert halls and they said no to her in a hotel in new glasgow don that's a terrible story but it also illustrates how small-minded
2: attitudes (laughs) of prejudice force one to live in a very small world a very restricted world of imagination and possibility because what that hotel should have realized is that this was an opportunity for them to have the photo op. Exactly. We've had Portia White stay here. So you know this is a fine establishment. (laughs) Instead, someone else could say, our house is a finer establishment than is the Norfolk Hotel. (laughs) (laughs) White stayed here. Uh, You know, they they lost an opportunity for some cachet. and instead have to live with the persistent shame of that moment, which was quite revelatory. Uh, the disadvantage of of being small-minded.
0: She never forgot her people as well. When she was singing and training and practicing in Nova Scotia, she taught in Black schools. She taught at the home and other places. And so she, she never forgot where she came from and who her people were. That is
2: so true. And I, I love the fact as well, I'm going to, I talk about these things in my book. Portia White, A Portrait in Words, but I don't mind saying that uh, a lot of information I have in, in my book I took from or borrowed from or gleaned from Leanne Goodall's a very, very nice uh, biography of, of Portia White. And so she tells the story as well that Portia went looking for uh, an apple, uh, an Annapolis Valley farmer around Wolfville probably, had, had <laughs> created especially especially for the Portia apple or the Portia White apple. But the day happened to have been one of, uh, that saw a rain squall uh, show up. And so Portia managed to request that one of her sisters uh, uh, remove herself from the vehicle and go in search of the farmer, despite the driving rain. And I just, <laughs> and I just you know, love those like personal at home kind of things.
0: George, yes, thank you so much for your reminiscence to Portia White and the relevance to Black History Month. It's been a great thrill for us. Thank you very, very much.
2: Thank you, Don.
3: Woo!
1: here on Thank God It's Free Range, the Friday edition of Free Range Radio. Just heard Betty Davis with 70s Blues from They Say I'm Different. Davis passing away earlier this week. And uh, rest in power, Betty. Uh, From 70s Blues to something contemporary that's kind of bluesy, Frog Eyes announced a new album called The Bees uh, due out in April and debuted a new track earlier this week called When You Turn On The Light. Uh, we're gonna play that for you, and then uh, something that came out yesterday is "Sewn Back Together," new album from Omagizi. That is a collaboration between Zunes, Daniel Monkman, and Status Non Status Adam Sturgeon. Uh, I got the chance to talk to Daniel earlier today about the record. So uh, right after Frog Eyes, we're gonna hear my interview with Daniel. <laughs> Right. Well, we played Cherry Coke a few weeks ago when it dropped. The whole album from Ombigaze is out now. It's called Sewn Back Together. It came out yesterday, a Thursday. Yeah. Uh and we're we were joined by Dan Monkman uh f- from the band to talk about it. So I mean I'm so used to albums coming out on a Friday. What was the was there a specific significance
4: of yesterday, like Thursday the 10th, or um, I actually don't know if there was a significant uh uh reason behind that except for um it was just like one of the other there was two dates and uh we just decided on the tenth. Okay. But yeah but yeah I found it a little odd too as yeah I'm used to like a Friday putting out start the weekend off
1: with that. I used to work retail and Tuesday once upon a time was when like physical albums dropped and then it seemed to like kind of move to Fridays for for release schedule so then a, th- a thursday was like kind of threw me off guard but regardless i'm i'm very excited about the new record and glad to get a chance to talk <laughs> to you about it um so oh, thank you dude. yeah my, my pleasure uh folks i mean i i've played zune uh a lot on on this show and, and folks are familiar with status non-status so the the, the, mm. the two of you kind of getting together uh, how, how did this come about like how did you at adam decide to to work on a project together
4: Well, we, Adam and I met, um, in 2017, um, I was living in Hamilton, Ontario and, and, um, I was working at a university and around that time I was, I had just finished Bleached Waves and I was trying to find management and, and I found this guy named Brendan McCartney and he, um, he also managed Adam. And, um, I was like, oh, wow, you have an Anishinaabe artist on your roster. Like, I would. I'm really interested in talking to you, maybe working with you. And um, so, Brenda and I started working together. And then, uh, at the same time, I was just like sending Adam my what would become Bleached Waves, and and we just connected through that. And we 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 kind of found a, a unity because um, we are like there aren't many Indigenous um, rockers in the scene that we're so part of, and so. We just always kept in touch. We went on tours together. And then um, just before the pandemic, we were always just chatting about writing music together. And we just, we didn't know what that was going to look like because of COVID and he, he has a family and he was trying to be safe.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: Um, so we just started sending each other songs for in the whole entire pandemic. And about like, maybe like five months ago, we were, we were like, okay, dude, Let's make an album, but what are we going to do? And then um, I remembered Adam said he was friends with Kevin Drew. And at the same time, I was emailing Kevin Drew to mix my album. So I was like, dude, why don't we get Kevin Drew on board? And we make this album with him. And then within uh, two days, Kevin was on board, was like, okay, I'm going to give you my studio time. What's that's in two weeks. And we're going to make this album. And then it was just off to the races you just banged it out yeah it was a very quick process
1: so the decision to work with kevin i mean obviously both of you had kind of been in in touch with him and were friends with him was there a specific record he would produced or like a record he'd made as an artist that drew you to him in the first place or
4: yeah we uh, adam and i were, are big fans of uh, the secret path and his work that he'd that album that he did with gord downey and mm. and it was all about residential schools about uh kenny Lenjack. and so we just wanted to work with someone who maybe has had a more more of an understanding of what what we were trying to do and where we we're coming from mm-hmm. and and we also were writing uh an album about our family members who been through residential school so it was just like a nice fit you know like uh there wasn't too much explaining that we had to do to, um, to, um, Kevin because he had already known a lot about this stuff, but you know, he still learned a lot.
1: Right now. I mean, Zune, you obviously like, you have band members and stuff, but it's, it's your vision when it comes to mm-hmm. the, like a, a more collaborative or like, you know, shared experience, like on what's the what's the dynamic like between you and Adam in terms of like creatively, like, are you like coming to each other with like parts of songs or it's like, here's a song, help me polish it off. Like what's the.
4: Yeah. A little bit of mixture. Like uh, I would, uh, I would say like uh, maybe like 70, 70% of the record was, um, was just, Bits and pieces of songs that we had all pre- previously written. And then the last, like 30%, were songs like mine, like Cherry Coke, which were just the way that I wrote Cherry Coke is the way that it was recorded and the version that you hear. Mm. But, but like songs like Spirit and Me, like um, our friend Andrew, he wrote the piano part in, in the morning. And then um, Kevin heard it and was just like, Hey, we got you guys, wake up. We got to like record a song. And then that, like, it was a very collaborative, like, um, yeah, that song was very collaborative, but same with the whole record. So there was there was parts where um, Adam had just maybe like a snippet of a song, and then from that snippet, we would build a, a brand new song. Now, did
1: you take anything away from the experience of like kind of having someone like refract your songs or reconsider them that, that like you might take away going forward for like a Zune project? Like is that... Did you see something new or hear yourself in a different way kind of filtered totally. through Adam?
4: Totally. Even just Adam and Kevin and just, and learning to be more collaborative because with Zoom, I'm just like very protective of uh, the music that I put out and the people that I work with. And, um, and it was great because the, the people that I trust are the people who worked on the On Big Easy record. And, and so um it was like a songwriting boot camp, you know? That's the only way I can describe it because it was just like coming out of it, all of us just now just have a different perspective on um writing and and yeah, and just like being supportive of each other. And um yeah, that's like something that I'm you know, I just wrote an EP and it was just basically the same process in which we recorded sewn back together just you know just going forward and and not really overthinking
1: did you feel like looking back you'd overthought bleached waves then is that like what you're suggesting by you know going forward it's not overthinking things
4: I think um, you know like like I wrote bleached waves in 2017 and then I didn't write a whole lot since then now I have but like in that time I was just like oh it has to be like you know I was like I held I held bleached waves up on like this pedestal and I was like I can't write anything unless it's like absolutely better than that which Mm. which isn't which isn't like true and you just kind of hold yourself back from the possibilities of writing beautiful music and so now I just I just write and not worry about like the work that I previously put out
1: so that it it sounds like it's freed you up a little bit like mentally to create
4: it showed yeah it really showed the potential that uh, i felt like that i had in me but almost like kind of imposter syndrome where you're like oh i don't even know how i'm gonna write another record but then it's like we wrote an entire record in five days all purely improvisation you know and just like using our talents and uh that was just something that I guess maybe I wasn't too confident about. But working with Kevin, who's like, you know, pretty uh, famous Canadian artist or around the world, I guess, too. And for him to be like, every time I did a riff or did something, he's just like, that's amazing. Let's do it. Let's work with that. And that encouragement was, you know, taking it into my practice.
1: Mm hmm. So you mentioned that you know obviously thematically and and kind of inspirationally wise, this is this is drawn on your 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 own family's histories and and the like trauma of a residential school survivorship. Uh, obviously, it's been in the news for the past couple of years as as more of mm-hmm. these these residential school sites have been rediscovered. Right, they're not yeah they were there that we we kind of yeah. knew it. Mm -hmm. writing about that within this period, is it harder? Like, would you, do you, do you find that facing it in the news at at the same time that you're facing it on the page as you write something Mm. is a, is a more difficult process?
4: Um, I think it would have been if I was just alone. And I think that's why Adam and I decided to do this because we, we wanted to, share these stories but we felt like in our individual projects we maybe didn't feel like we had the right support but coming together we're like uh, you know it just felt right you know like before even the Kamloops stuff like obviously indigenous people we know about residential schools but I was just telling them I was like dude I want to write songs that honor like my dad's experience and my own experience going to like really racist rural schools that were basically like offshoots of residential schools and and um and adam was just like ah dude i want to tell my stories too let's do it and we'll support each other and that's just kind of like the attitude we we have with this project is just about like supporting each other and and even the guys who are the other members too like andrew mcleod and and eric we're we, we all have our own histories and we're just we have found this like really nice common ground where we support each other
1: even the title kind of alludes to that right like sewn back together like that there's a tear or a rift or some sort of wound
4: Mm -hmm. it
1: it sounds like like the two of you stitched each other up
4: (laughs) yeah yeah um that's how we felt you know and in a lot of like First Nations people, we we feel like we're always like trying to like reclaim things that have been either like taken from us or you know, and so so sewing back together is just like us, yeah, like coming together, but also there's there's a there's a deep meaning of it, and we're still trying to like figure it out what it is.
1: Does writing, or actually even more so than writing, hearing Adam's writing help you understand your own experience?
4: Oh, totally. Uh, Adam um, is a lot more blunt about um, his feelings and his experience where I'm more like abstract, and I use a lot of metaphors in the way that I describe my experiences. And Adam is just like straightforward being like, this is, this is how I feel. This is like, and, and it's, yeah, it's for me. I just never wanted to do that just because I felt very like, scared of like, speaking out. But now that seeing that and seeing that the, how people have perceived the album and um, it's encouraging. And I, I'm definitely going to get a little bit more spicy with the way that I uh, write and what I write about.
1: Right. So the the group name. Uh, mm-hmm. So I've seen it translated as either this is noisy or she is noisy. And I, yeah. I'm curious kind of the, like which, which w- way you read it and which way it's intended
4: yeah for for us what we what we um when we came together with it it was it was our understanding it was like it was a way just to describe something noisy uh, um, a
1: non-gendered description
4: yeah and yeah non-gendered it was just supposed to be like to describe something that is like really loud and noisy mm. and um and that's how we feel when because in our teachings, that's in, in powwow and ceremony, we 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 hit the drum really loud because in a way it's it's us communicating with the creator. And the way that they describe it is kind of like when when a when a baby is needs something, it it cries and 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 that's kind of how our ceremonies are. And um, so we just wanted to in, incorporate that into our 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 set because that's what we're kind of doing when we're on stage We're it's like an uh, our electric powwow or something you know right and
1: an entreaty to for help in some way
4: yeah we're like we're like making a statement and and yeah and I, I I believe that's our understanding of why we use that name right we didn't we didn't we didn't really didn't know what we were going to call it I don't even remember if there was any other ones we decided. We were just kind of like, this is what works with us.
1: Yeah. Just cause I was, I wasn't sure if the, if, if the gendered translation like had some significance in terms of missing and murdered indigenous women and girls or, or something like that, but.
4: Oh yeah. I mean, that's like, that's, that was, uh, that, that whole thing is tied in with our project too. Right. Cause, um, cause we both like my family, some of my mom my mom's best friends have gone missing since you know the 80s and my mom would always tell me stories of her hitchhiking and and a lot of like horrible things and and yeah so that's like I'm gonna bring that up to Adam because I I never thought about it like that but but that those stories are in our music because it's part of our life
1: right and for for a long time obviously there was silence about those disappearances and murders that
4: I know. Yeah.
1: You know, uh, and maybe the kind of the way I was interpreting it when I read that um, it was translated as she is noisy is like making some noise on behalf of these women who, who were silenced.
4: Totally. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely part of the story.
1: Yeah. And just, I mean, just today I was reading a, a an advisory from an indigenous activist group about the trucker convoy and the obviously historical issues of uh, women going missing when hitchhiking and just how dangerous things continue to be. So,
4: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's like the stories that my mom would tell me.
1: Right. And uh, sadly still being told or created in this sense. The like, So obviously I I mentioned we played Cherry Coke. You talked about that, that being kind of a song you had crafted before kind of handing it to Adam and finishing it as an El thing. Maybe you can tell folks the story behind that song. I'd read, you know, a piece that you, uh, an interview you did about it, but maybe like why it's called Cherry Coke and the significance of that.
4: Oh yeah. Yeah. So it was, it was originally a zoom demo that was going to be on my new record. And, um, I'd written it maybe like, whew, maybe like seven months ago or something like that, like quite a while ago, and it was just like this noise, like loud, like this noise song, this noise pop song that was just like, there's a lot of feedback, it's hard, not like the way that it is with Um Easy. it's so polished, and um, when we were going to the studio, I realized that some of my songs that I was bringing to the table weren't really poppy and I, I, I love pop music and I love including my pop my spin on pop music in the projects that I do and so I told Adam about the song and I was like but I don't because I use so many different tunings I was like ah, I don't know the tuning of it dude and we're at the studio right now it's gonna be hard to figure it out and Adam encouraged me to learn it because I because I, I showed him a snippet of the song and and um, so there's a picture of Adam, there's a picture of Adam and I sitting outside while I was like sifting through my phone through like a thousand voice memos, trying to find this one that I recorded months and months prior. And um, I, I, I found it, I was like, oh Adam, I found it. And right underneath it was the tuning. I was like, so I'm gonna tune the guitar and we'll figure this out. And um, and then so, so I learned the relearned the song brought it to the dudes and everybody loved it um but but the the story behind it is um it's just like me growing up on Broken Head Ojibwe Nation with with my dad there was a period of time where I was I was saying I went to these rural schools and I would get in fights all the time and and, um my mom I I thought that my mom made me go to live with my dad to kind of like learn how to be a man or something but when I when when, my mom when my mom read the article about it she told me she's like no daniel like you wanted to go live with your dad you you hated living with me so i just let you go but when i was living with my dad um he would always have like this change drawer that had like loonies and stuff from that he would put aside for me and um and then every so often he would be let's go to the store and get some chips and pop and you know have a movie night so we would go and, and on the reserve, they would, we'd would always get like all like the new brands, you know, like the blue Pepsi or like the vanilla Coke. And I know that one's a lot older, but for us, it was kind of, new, I guess. And then there was like cherry Coke and, and I just loved like cherry Coke. It was just like such like a good drink. I mean, haven't had it in a long time, but um, always drank it on the res and and yeah, when I was writing the song, just that chorus, and I don't even say Cherry Coke in the song. We just, we just after I explained the song to everyone, they're like, oh, we should call it Cherry Coke. And um, yeah, so it's just about my dad and me, and me and him hanging on the res and, and just how weird it was for me to be on the res, you know, like, but how how it changed my life, you know? Right.
1: Now we obviously played that one a couple weeks ago when it came out. Um, I'm wondering if you can pick a different song off the record we can play for listeners. Now that the full thing's out. Mm.
4: Mm, I would say either between, uh, I would say spirit in Me." That's, that's my favorite one.
1: What makes that your favorite?
4: Actually, Andrew and I were driving from a show last night and we were talking about it and I was just explaining that it's like my favorite song because it's, it's just so different to me. Like I've never written, we've, I've never written a song like that before. Um, there's like, there's like, there's no drums in it. There's just like hi hats, but it's just like moving so fast and forward that it has like this type of energy to it that is incognito or something. I, I can't place it, but I know when I listen to it, it just has this intensity to it. Mm. And that's just, I think, I don't know how to describe it, but it's just like a, it's just a clear example of just like a great collaboration with um, a group of talented musicians. And for me, the song is just what the record is.
1: Well, that I think more than, than accurately sums it up. Uh, it's a great record. Congrats on it. Uh, oh, Daniel, thank Daniel, thanks for taking some time to talk about it.
4: Of course, thank you Michael.
5: The sun has hardly warmed the water when it crushes on the sand. Take more of this moment Trade in some of my
1: Montreal's lane of the land. That's a track called swimmer right before the break on Begizi with spirit and me off of the new albums sewn back together. My thanks to Daniel Monkman for taking some time to talk about the record that's out on arts and crafts came out just yesterday. Uh, Also out earlier this week, new remix from the Polaris prize winning artist cadence weapon of his track Senna featuring Logan uh, playing this in part because it's a good track and we're going to shift gears towards after eight radio uh, but also because just past week uh, cadence weapon Rolly pemberton uh, released a very strong thread about his thoughts on the so-called trucker convoy which i think at this point we can just call an anti-vax siege of our nation uh, i am in favor of vaccines i am in favor of science i'm in favor of sound social policy that recognizes the people most uh, disadvantaged by things happening in our country right now. And uh, so I strongly support what Kiddens Weapon posted and uh, am strongly opposed to those who are currently occupying Broadway in front of the legislature and uh, sending out support to the people who live in that neighborhood and whose lives have been completely disrupted by this garbage. Uh, Anyway. We're going to hand things over to After 8 after this next set of music, but uh, keep it locked here on UM 11.5 (laughs) UMFM.
6: So da. From day one, but a five star bar. When I sit both sides, I'm going stand still here. My ones never been a short bar. Take time, though, high pun set, high pun set. Gonna get yourself something hot water. Or you're gonna see six packs if I won't be that lava. Ready for the wild 70, 80, grand, in the north, so we had your grand wallet. Bring to the northwest cars, I'll wear that like Eminem's gang, that's my gang slaughter. Palava, now drama. When I get spun like a natural disaster. disaster. I said, mama gets spun like a natural disaster. Tooth is up, man, no, I'm a brawler. Do my thing, never ever been a talker. I run, rumble, size, not a walker. If you're on a joke, you stay in your corner. Yeah. I'm just trying to get paid on fuller, A.C. and full, like, easy, Rich Porter. New generation, grandfell father, Logan North. Never been baby, a top baller.
7: Sinner, 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 sinner. Sinner, 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 sinner. Trying to win a race like my last name, Center. I used to roll playing when I slide on a rhythm, flow like a chick came. Might crash up your Civic MC, DJ, put a dash in the middle. Roll for a week, might back up the rental, then spare. instrumental. You don't want a clash, got a hash in your system, that's bad, detrimental. See so you stammer and giggle. Went backstage, got a van and a limo. At hotel, better have presidential. I can pull strings, with my hands on a fiddle. Might spray flames, with ash in the embers. Got great ain't no blast at a pistol. Might bring an Alberta flag on Kimmel. Don't bring your dogs, take a back to the kennel. You don't want none of winners. Green jacket on like my last name, Pickle. Treat around scheme like a master of riddle. In your whole Scene cut when I'm finished And your whole team put a stop to your scrimmage Cut a room floor with my ultimate image Kill the spotlight, put a halt to the gimmicks How do you get on? Your fault to the critics? Hit the asphalt, dash off, I'm a menace I'm not afraid to be who I am, you know I always tell people, be yourself That's the number one shit I tell people I don't follow anybody else, I never did Idiosyncratic and iconoclastic I am me, motherfucker, <laughs> be you Sinner, 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 sinner Sit up, sit up,
3: Yesterday's
8: price is not today's price,
6: price. price.
9: every player's aiming coach right master recipes on the stove lights the number on this jersey is the quote price you order diet coke that's a joke right everybody get it off the boat right? But only I can really have a snow fight. Detroit, challenge, what's your dope like? If your bins bigger, step it up to ghost life. Missy was, I only missed a up. My tunnel vision's better under stove lights. You order Diet Coke, that's a joke, right? My work is compensated so they don't strike. Wish me luck, see green like Don Bishop The ones you trust, don't change like them chains you tuck Far as I'm concerned, who's the best, me and Yezos washed and dried to give me all of my pesos Add it up Your bitches in them pictures, but they laser tagging us They mad at us Who wouldn't be?
3: We became
9: everything you couldn't be Everything your mama said you shouldn't be The Porsche's horse is revving like Look at me, saddle up I'm still pitching, baby, batter up Imaginary players aiming coach right Master recipes under stove lights The number on this jersey is the quote price You order Diet Coke, that's a joke, right? All you, all you knitted off the boat, right? But only I can really have a snow fight. Detroit, the challenge—what's your dope like? If your bin's bigger, step it up to Ghost Life. The flow's untouched, the drums is tough Drive cullin' in when roads get rough Snow's a must, the nose adjust Young G's like we hove and puff Best jewelries and hope we lust Chanel trinkets ain't so blush Crush hearts like pretty boys And we driving pretty toys those will make plenty noise Crescendo, make your car indo. Piss your car window Missy was our only misdemeanor Nike box, hole a hundred thou with no insoles uh, the- was such a black error. How many still standing, reflecting in that mirror? Lucky imaginary me. players aiming coach, right? Master recipes the stove lights. The number on his jersey is the quote price. You order Diet Coke, that's a joke, right? All you all you did it off the boat, right? But only I can really have a snow fight. Detroit, the challenge what's your dope like? If your bin's bigger, step it up to ghost life.
6: my shades on real quick, man. It'll be to you and me. Let's get it, yo. Yo, this is my 2021 flow, for all my people that wish they could be here, but they probably on the run though. Thank God I made it out mama i made it, I made it was mama. so ashamed for you to see me incarcerated yeah. but that's so far in my rear view now got that four bedroom out in vegas and you should see the view now wow this what it's all about got them farmers backing out right in the middle of a drought Nah, no. see i gave back to my community shout out to my young and fresh stay up in them books and you next yes yes, yes. And we ain't taking no losses. We can talk business, but I'm only speaking with bosses. Get a call from majors I suggest you pick that up. See, cause that's money on the other end. And checks is getting cut. That's how I did a song with G-Rap. It Prodigy 2
10: cooked it up with the chef. Shout out to the whole I won't world. No losses. Up, that's probably why. I bet on me no losses I'm on my way up. And the reason why is cause I've
6: Yeah. Three bosses, no losses, ain't no losing, boy. We went on purpose. I done cooked more chicken than churches. Been around more grams and more cane than doctors and nurses. Losing for God, they ain't in the car. If you see me drive it, then it's mine. If it's lease, it ain't in the yard. You had your time, but it came and went. You can't kick me out of the house that's paid for. I ain't paying rent. I'm the definition of circumventing. I remain calm when they search the car. I knew the vent uh-uh. I was built to win yeah. So if I do take an L Here and there Oh well I feel it safe again uh. Can't nobody hold me down Like Diddy and Mason right. She got a business plan prepared She get a vacation uh. Electric
10: 580 biz, We don't stop at the station To upstate I want Farrakhan It's to the
9: so you ain't supposed to move nah i tend to it i'm an influence it ain't the bullet it's the message that you send through it
6: miscommunication erupts then the rage come out the wrong words get exchanged then the gauge come out it's enough to make your age show out uh-huh. The energy be so bad it make the sage go out Them demons are coming Don't put all your dreams in the pumping uh-huh. Reach for the stars It's better than reaching for nothing Yes, Life is a contract You just gotta sign it There's a message in every verse You just gotta find it uh-huh. Without workers, no bosses uh-huh. Enjoy the feeling of winning But still, no
10: loss I don't yeah. give up the stars
6: Bits and
8: Beats.